We are talking markets today again, and my guest today is Pitful Yun of RCM. He's, of course, one of South Africa's most dedicated contrarian investors. Pit, welcome to the show. Uh, we are living in an extremely interesting and volatile times, not only politically, but markets too. What is your take on valuations at the moment? Let's start in the US and Europe and then work our way back mm. to Johannesburg. Yeah, hi, Rick. Thank you. Um, yeah, the way we see the world right now is, you know, well, let me take a step back and just say that we tend not to think too much about politics and economics and all those things that people love talking about um, because those are, on the one hand, uh, very difficult to forecast what's going to happen. And on the second hand, even if you can forecast what's going to happen, to take the correct investment decisions based on that forecast is very hard. Take Brexit for an, for an example. If if one had forecast that Britain would vote to exit Europe, you would be very nervous and you would probably have sold all your UK exposure. Yet, if you look now a month later, those UK stocks have done generally fantastically well with the exception of possibly the property and one or two others. But by and large, UK-based stocks have actually done fantastically well. Um, so it's hard to, number one, forecast correct outcomes, and number two, uh, make correct investment um, decisions based on those forecasts. So, so we try and avoid forecasting uh, at all times, and we think that for being able to forecast or, this, or thinking you're able to forecast gives you a false sense of security. The only security you can get is from the margin of safety in your rent in the price you pay for the assets you acquire. So if you pay a low enough price, that gives you a margin of safety and your comfort that whatever happens in the future, your low price will take care of that. But don't you think that political events such as Brexit is more profound, the impact is more profound on equities than it was, say, 10, 20 years ago? No, I think if you go back in history, there's always stuff happening. There's always stuff happening that comes out of the blue that you don't expect and it has positive and negative implications, and, and, and it's just so hard to forecast these things, and it's so hard to forecast or, or take account of the second-order effects of these things. So we try and stay away from that. And, and we find that over time, if you pay a low enough price for the assets you acquire, that protects you against the vagaries of the market and uh, politics and economics and all those sort of things. So, so if you want to talk about the economics of what's going on and the politics of what's going on, I'm probably the wrong person to speak to. But we can talk about values and where we see good value and where we see bad value. Um, that I'm more than happy to talk about. Let's look at the U.S. market and values um, valuations there. You know, the world is not the, the healthiest place economically currently, but yet we see really uh, high valuations in the U.S. market. Mm. What are your views there? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think one of the drivers of uh, markets, especially developed markets, and especially indices which have uh, a high level of constituents of good quality businesses with uh, steady dividend income and good business models, those sort of assets have become very, very expensive in the past few years as interest rates have been manipulated downwards by central banks. Um, so investors are telling themselves it's hard to get yield in the interest rate market. Uh, let me buy rather take a bit more risk and buy the equity of a business that uh, pays steady dividends, a good quality business. And in that process, they bid up the price of those businesses to very, very high levels. And that search for yield uh, generally tends to end badly, and we think this one will be no exception. 
And if you look at, at the South African market, uh, you know, a few stocks have performed really well, but yeah, many of the yeah. other stocks have not performed as well. Where do you see value I, here? You know, the, the South African market is a microcosm of the global market. I mean, if you look at what's performed well here, is those, you know, generally there's sort of stocks like SAB Miller or ABNB uh, in the future. Um, you know, there's brewing companies, tobacco companies, high-quality businesses paying steady dividends, um, but we think the market is paying far too high a price for those businesses based on artificially low interest rates. Uh, so we think those are high-quality businesses but very risky investments. On the other hand, we're seeing increasingly better investments in lower-quality businesses in, say, SA industrial manufacturing and, and those sort of areas. That is where we are seeing more and more value. That, it's, not, it's not hand over fist at this point in time, but it's increasingly going that way. So that's where we're looking uh, and, and, and moving towards. If you take a company like Naspers, for example, if fund manager you know, held Naspers, the performance would have been great. If you didn't, then uh, the performance is a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think you know, that differentiates fund managers? Um, is it luck? Is it uh, you know, <laughs> foresight? Um, because in, in the end of the day, those you know, short-term differences in, in valuation or, or performances you know, actually uh, you know, affects investment decisions. Yeah, look, you've got to take this comment where it comes from. It comes from a fund manager who didn't hold NASPAS and still doesn't hold NASPAS. Um, so I, I, I find it hard to think that one is either a genius or a fool based on whether you hold NASPAS or not. But right now, there's a, there's a strong consensus out there in the market that all the smart investors hold NASPAS and all the dumb ones don't. Um, so we're probably one of the dumb ones, but we just can't get to that valuation. We struggle to think that the price you're paying for NASPAS shares today will give you good investment returns in the next five to ten years. Again, you know, you are a deep value investor, a contrarian investor. You look at a set number of factors um, in your investment model. Do you think in the long term, you know, if we look back at the last few years, earnings from companies have not really been the main driver of valuations? Uh, do no, you, no. Do you think that... It's, it, it's, been, it's been declining interest rates and higher multiples on or higher P ratios that the market's prepared to pay on good quality businesses and, and businesses are showing some sort of growth like NASPAS, for instance. So, so that's um, valuations have been driving markets, not underlying fundamentals like earnings and those sort of things. Uh, whereas far as value investors, we look at the underlying fundamentals and not the momentum of where prices are going for certain assets. Uh, and we think the volatility that you spoke about earlier on in, in our discussion that volatility creates exactly the sort of environment where value managers, value investors such as ourselves, uh, start to do well. And if you look at our year-to-date numbers, we top of the pop. So, you know, I think what's happening fundamentally uh, on the ground is, is sort of corroborating uh, our investment philosophy. You did say you are seeing value in the industrials, but I just want to go back one year. In your equity fund and your um, balanced fund, you were in, in June last year, you were heavily invested in Anglo-American, Anglo-Platinum and Impala Platinum. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was a big play on, you know, the resources sector. We've yeah. seen a big bounce in those counters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what is your, your view on this sector going forward? So, so we still think the sector is cheap. Um, we're not, we're not uh, wedded to resource stocks. We are not wedded to any type of stock. We, are, we like investing in cheap stocks. So we start about 
two years, three years ago, we started investing in resource stocks and increased our investment as they declined. And they reached the peak of their decline probably in the second half of last year. And that was the peak of our exposure. Since then, a stock like Anglo's has quadrupled. It's gone up by a factor of three or four times. Uh, Mplatz has gone up by a factor of three times and so on and so forth. So a lot of these stocks have shot the lights out and we have correspondingly reduced our exposure somewhat. We've not sold out, but we have reduced our exposure somewhat. But, you know, for the commodity sector, there doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, any real upturn in demand in the short term. Uh, do you think the, the increase in valuations like we've seen can, you know, be sustained over the next few years? Uh, you know, generally these, these stocks um, tend to go up in advance of anything positive happening. And they tend to go down in advance of negative things happening. So if you wouldn't want to wait until you see higher commodity prices and good global growth and so on and so forth, um, it's going to be too late. And you're going to be buying at the end of the good performance, not the beginning of the good performance. Mm -hmm. uh, so generally, we take our cue from the price-to-value relationship. In other words, when the price of the stock is far below intrinsic value, regardless of the immediate outlook for the companies, we will buy. And when the price-to-value relationship narrows, in other words, when the price goes up, and remember the value, intrinsic value of a business is a pretty stable number. It doesn't, it doesn't jump around. It's a stable number. So when the prices quadruple, like in the case of Anglo's, that means your margin of safety has declined, and that means you take some money off the table, regardless of the immediate outlook. Uh, we do not know where commodity prices are going to go, and we don't, you know, we don't have a view on that. Let's look in industrials. You say you see value there. Which companies are standing out for you? Well, there's a whole host of them. As I said earlier on, um, it isn't hand over fist yet. It's not where you can say that you know there's uh, you know you can just uh, stick your hand out and grab them. Uh, but increasingly, we're seeing good industrial companies, companies like Invicta, Hudeka, and so on, trading on single-digit P's, which we haven't seen for a very long time. Um, so those are the ones we're starting to look at. We haven't taken any big positions there yet. Um, Meta is another one that comes to mind. We've got a bit of Turkish exposure, which the market hates at the moment. It loved it. It loved that exposure a year ago before anything bad happened in Turkey. Now the bad stuff's happening. Now the market's starting to hate it. But, you know, these things come and go. Um, so those are interesting sort of companies. But our biggest exposure in industrial South Africa is in a company called HCI, which its main interest is in Toho Sun, which is a toll group. Uh, which we think is highly undervalued. Um, and, you know, with a weak rand, the tourists are coming in, and uh, the hotel occupancy seems to be going up. So, you know, we'll see what the earnings look like in the next few years. One sector which many fund managers are looking at um, is the banking sector and the financial services sector. What is your view on that sector? We are, we're not, you know, we, we think the banks are, are the prices are attractive, but... You know, we're sort of standing back a bit because we think the regulatory environment is not conducive to generating good profits in the financial sector. The regulatory burden, the compliance burden is massive. You know, my business is in the finance sector, so I see firsthand what's happening on that side of things, and it's massive. I can only think what it is like for a bank like Standard Bank or Nedbank or First Rand what compliance burden they have to face. And it increases the cost of doing business and it also reduces the business opportunities. So we think the finance sector is being regulated um, to a point where it will be very difficult to, re to achieve past levels of profitability. 
So today, prices in that sector, relative to historical profits, look low, but possibly not that low relative to sustainable future profits. But still, they offer some offer really attractive dividend yields, which in the you know short to medium term shouldn't change. Is it maybe not a, a safer bet just to you know park money for the short term while we you know go through this current volatile period? Uh, you know, I still have to meet the person who can tell me what's going to happen over the short term with a consistent level of success. So, if you say the dividend yield is attractive in the short term, remember when you buy a stock, when you buy the equity of a business, the stock. You're buying an asset with a duration of 40 years. So that dividend yield might look attractive today, but you don't know what happens in the future. I mean, take PPC, for instance. I mean, that was a dividend yielding stock par excellence a few years ago. Everybody wanted dividends on that stock. And today, that company has lost almost 80% of its, the price has declined by more than 80%. And it's not paying a dividend anymore. In fact, it's in debt. It can't pay a dividend. Things change quite quickly. And if you are relying on a dividend yield, for the next five to ten years, um, you better be sure that the company's intrinsic value is still intact and will be for the long term. An interesting um, trend well, that, that has changed in recent times was the uh, inflow of foreign money into South Africa. For the first six months of the year, mm. we saw a sharp outflow from foreign investors, but uh, we seem to have turned the corner. We had the flavor of the month again. We saw a lot of money flowing in, in the past um, six weeks. How do you read this? Well, we think the RAND is massively undervalued. And in our local balance funds, uh, we've brought money back from offshore as well. We brought significant amounts of money back from offshore at 15 rand to the dollar and better. Uh, we think it's, uh, you know, with the RAND at that sort of level, things in Africa are just dirt to cheap. So we think South Africa, from an offshore investor's perspective, has to be looking very attractive. So we're not surprised that there's money coming into the country. And remember, investments are at the most attractive when the short-term fundamentals look at their worst. And right now, one can't argue that South Africa's fundamentals look great. In fact, they look pretty poor, but that's why it's cheap. Um, And we think that increasingly foreign investors will recognize that, uh, will recognize the bargains that are on the table and start taking advantage of it. And I think we've seen the start of that now. And and you can go back in history, and every time the RAND has been weak like it is, it's created a buying opportunity for the smart foreign investors. And every and, and the local investors still don't want to invest. And only when the RAND strengthens again um, do people want to invest in the country. Uh, and I think one should, again, as you said, be contrarian, not for the sake of being contrarian, because, but contrarian opportunities are where the value is. And that's where we're seeing value today. In South African assets, the RAND's cheap, and currencies like the dollar is very expensive. There are some, you know, pretty well-known financial advisors uh, who are still beating the drum, take your money out of the country. The rand can quickly devalue to levels around 16, 17, 18 against the dollar. Um, do you think there's more money to be made now in South Africa than offshore? Or what, what, and can that dynamic change quite quickly? Yeah, I think, I think the opportunity is where no one wants to be, where there's less competition. I mean, where there's more competition... The returns are generally lower because lots of smart people are running around trying to eke out the returns from the assets. So where is the less competition? In places like South Africa, which are a bit smelly. Uh, so it's easier to make money in South Africa today than it is maybe in America or in Europe or a couple of other places. Uh, so that's where we think the opportunity is, longer term, of course. And, um, and of course, you know, in the short term, anything can happen. Those advisors might be very right that, uh, you know, their end could blow back up to 16 or 17. But if you ask me where the rand's going to be in three or four years' time, I guess it's going to be stronger than that.
Mm. Investors currently, you know, South African investors are very emotional. Um, I think very sometimes overreact uh, when the rand is weak. You take out money when it's very strong. Um, yeah, when it's strong, nobody wants to take out money. Um, you know, you know, if you look at your funds, they haven't performed um, well over the last three or four years, but there has been a quite a good bounce um, with the upturn in the commodity stocks. What advice would you have for investors looking at this volatile period and, you know, how to invest your money and be confident to leave it there for five to ten years? Yeah. Look, I think the most important thing is as an investor, you need to find out what sort of investment approach resonates with you. Not everybody can be a value investor because sometimes you need to sit through long periods of underperformance, you know, performance periods where you look dumb. So not everybody can be a value investor, but if you are a value investor, that sort of approach resonates with you, then you need to sit it out and not move your money around all the time. Just as if you are a momentum or a growth investor and things start looking poor for the growth and uh, growth momentum environment, you need to sit it through. Because not all styles are always in fashion and always do well. These things are cyclical and they come and go. We think that over time, value investing outperforms most other styles of investing, and the numbers prove it. So, you know, that's why we, that's why value investing resonates with us, and that's why we're sticking to our netting. But the important thing is to be consistent in your actions and not flip-flop around. Thank you, Pete. That was Pete Verlune of ReCM.